Hey everyone, welcome to the Arsholics podcast on Monday night. Um, it's the 3rd of April. We are in the final countdown of games. The first one's just gone, first of the final 10. And what a game that was. Um, reflecting with me on the show tonight, Mize, how are you doing, mate? I'm all right, man. I'm good. Um, yeah, I was a bit unwell last week, actually. A bit, uh, well, I say a little bit. I was pretty unwell last week, so... Feeling a lot better now. Saturday helped a lot, obviously, seeing your lovely face um, and the other boys. Well, it sure wasn't the beers. And the beers and the win and the goals, all of it. Um, and like you say, yeah, nine to go. So it's getting, uh, well, it's serious anyway, but it feels like it's getting more and more serious as the games get ticked off. So, um, yeah, very, very happy, obviously. And, yeah, keen to chat to you about it all. Yeah, it's, it, it really is, you know, it's not... There's no more breaks for us. It's just Premier League football. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. And there's there's nine more games standing between us and Glory, maybe less. You know, depending on how those nine games go. And it, it's it's insane to think about that. I, I know that from the start of the season, from being, you know, pretty much on winning ways from day one, from basically being at the top of the pack since day one, the brief spells every now and again that we've gone second, I think maybe only once or twice in the season that's happened. But there still was not a sense of belief in the Arsenal fan base, really. You know, there's some optimism every now and again, some dreaming. But generally speaking, everyone's been saying, nah, we're probably not going to do it. How do you feel now, mate? Uh, Nine games left, eight points clear still. Uh, game in hand, well, sorry, City have a game in hand, but still, that, that eight points gap with nine games to go. Obviously, we've got some big games to come up, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But how do you feel right now as an Arsenal fan? I'm believing more and more. I mean, look, we've won seven in a row, right? After that City loss, so incredible. It, yeah, it is incredible, and I think that's what we needed to do. Um, and we've amazingly done that. And when you think back, that seven wins in a row, that is extremely impressive. But what we've done is we've, we've obviously taken it each game at a time. But look, how do I, I mean, how do I feel? It's still, it's like what you said at the, just, just now when you said, you know, this could be a season that ends in glory and how ridiculously amazing and unbelievable would that be? And it still feels like it's, it almost feels like it's too good to be true. Do you know what I mean? Like 72 yeah. points, nine games to go, less than two months of the season left. We're counting down the games. We're looking at Anfield. We're looking at the city, you know, the game at City, the game at Newcastle is like the the potentials where we might drop some points. But we're basically mapping out, you know, where do we, at what point, well, I was going to say at what point do we win the league? It's not really that, but it's like, you know, tick off Anfield and tick off the other harder games. And then it, you know, it becomes more and more believable or there's more, the belief just grows um, as the as the games pass. So, I mean, I'm I'm in the camp of I'm confident because of what I'm seeing from this team, and I'm there's not really much reason to doubt that we could do it. Do you know what I mean? Like we've been top basically the entire season give or take a week or two. I think I think right at the start of the season, apart from that, we've basically been top the entire season. Um, we've held Man City off. We've won, we, you know, we, we, we've had periods where we maybe dropped points or lost a game and then we picked straight back up in terms of the next, you know, we picked ourselves back up, sorry, 
um, got, got back to winning ways almost immediately. And then that, you know, that is a sign of champions. We're winning games where we're dominating teams, we're winning games where we maybe aren't playing as well and we've had to rely on a last-minute winner. We're doing everything that you'd ask of champions. And, you know, touch wood, we've generally got a fairly good health of in terms of our squad. Hmm. Majority of players are fit. Um, no European football, no cup competitions, no distractions. You know, everything is sort of looking really, really good. But un- unfortunately, we have this this ridiculously good Man City team that have been there and done it, uh, and with a manager that's been there and done it, um, with world class players in every single position. And we know that if we slip up, they're going to pounce. Um, and if we slip up and it goes to that game at the Etihad where they're within touching distance of us, it makes that game a hell of a lot more kind of pressurised and and potentially more difficult. So I'm confident, but I'm also really cautious. I'm basically in that kind of, I'm on that, you know, I don't know what it is, like just on, on, you know, literally balancing on on a tightrope type of thing where it feels like we could lose on Sunday. And does that start a little bit of a... Uh, you know, does that start a little bit of a decline? Not a decline, but, you know, a start a period of, of bad results. If we win on Sunday, bloody hell. Like, what do you say about us winning at Anfield, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, it's, 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 I don't want to allow myself to believe that we're going to win the league just yet because it's just, it's just going to be too painful if you, if you fall into that and then it doesn't happen. It's going to be really, really painful and hard to take. Yeah, so there's that management of expectations that, you and all of us, myself included, I feel the same way as you. You know, we don't want to bring ourselves to say it or to get too ahead of ourselves. But but it's not just around tempting fate, is it? Like you've said, it's Man City that's chasing us down. And if we take an example of the weekend just gone, they've played Liverpool. Liverpool are a team, of course, they're struggling. Liverpool are really struggling this season. But they're still, you know, we go to Anfield next weekend, coming weekend, and people really uh, doubt Arsenal can win that game. And rightfully so. Arsenal's record at Anfield's terrible. Um, I think we haven't won since 2012. Everyone knows what a great team Liverpool can be at home. And th- just the, a great team that Liverpool can be on their day. I mean, they've been magnificent for so many years. Man City played them on the weekend without Haaland, who's been the source of 40% of their goals leading up to the, the weekend's game, leading up to that weekend's game. 40%, 40% of a team's goals he, he was part of, he scored. And in this game against Liverpool, they absolutely wiped the floor with them 4-1 without him. Yeah. Battered them black and blue that second half, just just absolutely dominated, spanked them. That's the kind of team we're facing. I think that's why we are so worried, right? Because it's all well and good saying, oh yeah, eight points and yeah, like that's a, that's a long way. That's a, that's a big chunk. And even if we drop points, well... But if you know, City City could genuinely win every single game coming up, right? They're good enough to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I guess the only thing that is, um, you know, is that they do have other games and they do have priorities, being the Champions League, and we don't, and we don't have that. And maybe, uh, you know, it will be an interesting situation when. Yeah, you know, they come to play Leicester. I think soon, where uh, you know, I think everyone sort of said that that's an easy game on paper. Things change, right? Leicester have got a new manager, and then they've got and they've got Champions League games either side of that. So it's going to get really interesting. But just, I guess, before we we get into that, just just a quick reflection on um, on the weekend's games, right? So, mm. 
fine. Um, Man City dominated and that happened before uh, the Arsenal game. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it, Mike? Because we were in the pub at Arsenal before the game and, you know, it was packed, packed full of Arsenal fans, everyone supporting Liverpool. And there was hope for a bit, wasn't there? It was 1-0 and, and I think, yeah. you know, we thought, yeah, maybe, but damn, like, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a really good performance by City, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it was, of course it was, especially going 1-0 down. Um, and, and you kind of went, yeah, I mean, look, expectation or hope increased massively when, when you see um, Salah score. Uh, and But I think, you know, a few people said around us, you know, look, it's still so early and, and this is Man City, Man City at, at home at the end of the day. And it's not going to take, it's only going to take a goal and, you know, the entire game kind of tips in, in City's favour and you, then you back them to go on and win the game. That's basically what happened. But Liverpool Liverpool played into City's hands completely. And I don't know what, I mean, a separate conversation completely, but I don't really know what's going on with Liverpool this season or at the moment because, you know, you go you go to Man City, you go one new up and you don't do what they did in terms of how they, how they defended and how open they were and how much space they left. You know, Trent is Trent and... As fantastic as he is, and I, I've said this before, I love Trent. I love Trent just because he's so good on the ball and I love watching him play. And um, obviously he's not having the best of seasons, but technically, you know, his passing, all of, all of the fantastic attributes that he's got. But, you know, he just switches off. He just switches off all the time and it's costing them so badly. And you just saw, you just saw it because City kind of picked them apart as and when they wanted to. And as, yeah, I mean, look, overall as a result, it's, it's it, you know, we went in, came back from the international break or should I say looking ahead to City's last 10 games and the games post international break and the Liverpool City game was one where all Arsenal fans had earmarked as this is maybe one that City could drop mm-hmm. points in and you're just hoping you're just hoping like just you know a draw at least a draw they drop a couple of points eases the pressure a little bit might make our lives a little well obviously would make our lives a little bit easier um but yeah, it wasn't to be. And like you say, City could genuinely go on and win every game, um, including beating us. So we just have to keep doing what we're doing. And and, and that was, I mean, I know we're going to come on to our, our game on sat- Saturday, but it's great that the pressure of them playing first and winning in a tough game didn't get to us. And we just went out and did the job basically against Leeds. That's the most, that's one of the most impressive things. That That is, again, the sign of, I don't want to say a sign of champions, but it's a sign of a top team, right? It's a sign of a top team where you can just go out and do what you need to do in a game where three points is, you know, absolutely expected at home home to a team like Leeds. So that was that really impressed me. And and we it was almost like, yeah, it's a bit annoying that Liverpool didn't get anything off City, but I'm not crying about it. Do you know what I mean? Because we went and yeah. won our game and now we're counting down the game. So it almost hopefully won't matter in the in come the end of the season. Agree. Um Picking up on something, something you said before about the games that I think as Arsenal fans we sort of looked at and thought maybe Man City could drop points in, in that. I think that if you if you go back about five or six games and if you looked at the fixtures, you probably would have said Liverpool away is sorry, you know, when Liverpool at home still kind of in their last block of ten probably looked like the trickiest <coughs> game in in some ways. But it is interesting, isn't it? Like things change so fast at the moment in the Premier League and situations and context. And as you know, when you look at their fixtures, I mean, we have tough fixtures. Don't get me wrong. You know, we, we have a lot of tricky, tricky fixtures. But if you look at them, okay, away at Southampton, away anywhere in the Premier League is a bit tricky. And away at a team that are fighting relegation, you know, 
away yeah. at Brighton. I think that game is going to be rescheduled for them, right? I think I want to say, um, but, but away at Brighton right now. I mean, Brighton could finish in the top four. You know, yeah. that's that's a tough game. Fulham away. Okay, don't know. Let's just assume Fulham haven't got anything to play for. Maybe that's going to be straightforward. Leeds at home. Leeds fighting relegation again. Everton away fighting relegation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Brentford away. Brentford are up outside for the top four. They're probably going to not you know get top fours. They're probably going to still want to get top six away at Brentford. West Ham at home again. Relegation. Leicester at home again. Relegation. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like the, the, each every single game that they have. And it's really similar. I'm not, I'm not saying it's that, that dissimilar. I mean, maybe if you look at our fixtures, you could probably say, well, you know, what's our easiest fixtures on paper? You probably say, okay, maybe Wolves at home because what Wolves got to play for. So, you know, yeah, so you could probably argue similar things about us. But I think what's going to be super interesting about this title race is genuinely, genuinely, I think every week is a, is a week that Arsenal or City could drop points. Every oh, week. Yeah. yeah. And it always happens, right? Every title race, you know, it happens. And, you know, the, the Liverpool um, the Liverpool season when they were leading with three games to go, and was it five points clear? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Palace, Palace. Yeah, yeah, and all of that happened. And, and Gerard slips and everything. And Chris Stanbull. Yeah. So, like, you know, you just, even, even if it gets to the last couple of games, you just really don't know because, yeah even the best teams or even the team that looks like being the best team, the pressure can tell. And like you say, the other teams that you're playing, it's so competitive. Um, you know, some of the games that we, we lost to Southampton away this season, looking back now, that seems like a mental result. And, and City have dropped points in games that you probably wouldn't have expected them to drop points. And so, yeah, look, it, it works both ways. It, you know, it, it's all, it ultimately comes down to the team that's going to be the most consistent, obviously, very obvious statement, I know, but th that's what it's going to come down to. And I think the fact that we've got this buffer that is that is what could prove massive because I think if we do end up winning the league, I don't think it's going to be by eight. Well, let's say five. It's, let's say City win their game in hand, which I think is Brighton away, so it's not actually a given. But if, let's say they win their game in hand and it's five points. I don't think we win the league by five points. If you know what I mean, I think it's going to be a lot mm. tighter because I think. There's do, you, going to be do you think there's any wins. chance though that do you think there's any chance that we say if we say if we beat Liverpool, yeah, um, and let's say then if we go to Man City and we don't lose. Yeah. Do you think that there's any chance at some point, and maybe let's let's just say Man City may drop points again in some. But basically, where I'm going with this, do you think there's any scenario where Man City's players at some point will just go, "I can't be asked," like as in there's <laughs> not not can't be, can't be asked. It's just it, it's like we've got a five percent chance of being able to do it, and to be a you know we've got the Champions League, we've got you know whatever the FA Cup still going. I just can't be asked to get myself up to 110 percent because they're going to need to be at 100 110 percent when they're you know, going into that final stretch. Yeah. Just can't be bothered, and because I, I wonder if there actually is a scenario where we we do win the league a bit earlier, and that it, there is yeah. a, a gap there. I mean, we're all hoping and praying that they get through the Bayern Munich tie, right? They get through the Bayern <laughs> Munich tie with loads of injuries. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, go to extra time and all the rest of it. Like, we just hope, but ultimately we want them to get into the semi-finals of the Champions League. So I I wouldn't use the term, I know what you mean, but yeah. not can't be asked or not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, mentally, it can be hard to maybe switch on when you're looking at, yeah, you're, you're just chasing the entire season. And I think... I said this, I think, on the last episode or last time we met. Um, you know, as much as we're looking at City and we are 
talking about City for, for, for and, and we should be, right? Because well, because of their record for the last five or so years or whatever, it's been more than that probably and how good they've been under Pep. But, you know, City must be looking at us and thinking, bloody hell, we went there and beat them at the Emirates. And then they probably thought, right, we're back in, we're back in. They probably expected they'll be overtaking us seven you know within the next seven mm. games but what we've gone and done is just gone and won all of our games mm-hmm. and that's just credit to obviously credit to us but I think if you're Man City and you're looking at that and you're seeing that and you're seeing that the pressure hasn't got to us we've not just won games we've some, some of these games we've won pretty convincingly we're putting goals past like four past Everton four past Palace four past Leeds three past Fulham away you know like we've been winning games really well City yeah. must be looking at, at that as well and thinking well bloody hell like you know Arsenal are a serious team um nine games to go are we going to be able to capture and they're asking they must be asking questions of themselves I'm not saying they're not capable of doing it but you know those questions will start to come into the the players mind so I think it's not a case of um they wouldn't they, they're, they're not going to necessarily be bothered or they're going to turn up for a Saturday game in the Premier League and think, oh, screw this, I, I can't wait for Bayern Munich on Wednesday. It's more, mm. it's a mental thing, isn't it? It's like, it is almost like, can we catch them? You know, if they keep winning, we can't, we can't. Um, and if they're more than three points clear of us come the, the game at the Etihad, we still can't overtake them, even if we beat them that Wednesday night. So, mm. um, so, so yeah, I think I, I, I can see, you can see a situation where if they do get past Bayern Munich, they get into the semi-finals, you can see a situation where subconsciously or unintentionally mm. the focus shifts to the to the Champions League. I don't think Pep will accept that, obviously. No. They've obviously got the players in the squad to deal with both competitions and, and, and the FA Cup as well. Um, but I think, yeah, unintentionally, maybe maybe the focus shifts a little bit. Um, and, you know, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that is what happens. But completely agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I really think that's a positive. I think that's like uh, arguably a best shout in some ways because look these are prof- <coughs> excuse me these are top level professionals and this is man city that we know that can sustain levels of concentration and focus and performance over over a long long period of time but big but when you get to the semi-final stage of the champions league i think you probably start thinking well actually we could do this right yeah. it's you know and a few of those players have been in the final already and lost to chelsea and some of those players may, you know, those players or, or, or some of the older players in the squad in particular, you know, might feel like they might not get many more chances at this. And that is going to play like, yes, I'm sure they've got the motivation to win titles, but many of them have won four already, you know. So this is going to be something where a lot of the, the players, you know, when they are playing Premier League games in and around those fixtures, it's going to be really hard, really hard to internally motivate yourself to the level that you need to compete with some of those teams that you're playing who are fighting for their lives, mm. right? You know, we it happens in the Premier League all the time. You see, like, pl- teams winning purely on desire. doesn't really happen in other leagues. But in the Premier League, purely on, on passion and desire because the technical quality is still pretty good and they've still got talented players, these kind of lower, lower table, lower league, not lower league, you know, lower table size yeah it's hard so hey it's going to be super super interesting um some reflection of the arsenal leeds games uh, <coughs> that, that probably worth talking about <clears throat> rob holding obviously played again yeah and he played again because william saliba was declared unfit there were some kind of weird noises weird as in just kind of not exactly transparent noises that were coming out of arteta when he was talking about the saliba situation he sort of said 
you know, he's hopeful that William Saliba will play again this season. And I think he said hopeful, with, you know, with the genuineness. He was like, but, but you know, I think the fact that he used the words that he did indicated that it's obviously not a, a minor injury. It's something that is quite serious. Uh, now, many people are speculating. Many people are saying that actually what it seems like is that he's got an injury which might require surgery at the end of the season and it can be managed before then up to that point through painkillers and rehab and whatever. So it might be that Arteta and the and the physios just try and get him through some of the big games, but you know that, that are coming up. But maybe that's just speculation. Let's just assume for a second, mate. Saliba is not fit for Liverpool coming up. Has holding done enough over the last two games for you to feel a little less nervous? Probably a little bit less nervous. Um, he's been assured. You know, he's he's come in. He's been assured. Um, he's been solid and he's not let us down basically. Um, and I think that's what we expected given the fixtures that we had. I think you've got to look at the opposition though, right? So two home games that he's coming for Palace and Leeds, both team, both against teams that, or, or should I say games where, op, sorry, opposition where we expect to keep majority of the ball, um, and really control possession. Um, the, the, the obvious concerns with Rob Holding uh, well, they are for me anyway, is basically when he when he's up against pace, when there's space in behind him and, you know, the ball goes into that space and he needs to run the other way, basically. And he's got a player running past him. Um, what does he do? Because he, he's not going to catch up with him. He hasn't got the pace to keep up with him. And then more often than not, it results in some sort of disastrous, like free kick, red card, yellow card, whatever, like something goes horribly wrong or they score. And and I think that's the, that's the main concern. But I guess the two games that he's been he's had to come in for um we haven't really had to worry about that too much um and i think as a result he's had two pretty solid and good performances but i think the nervousness is always going to be there for me because ultimately look he's not like he's our fourth choice center back probably or or at least on the you know on that on that right hand side in saliba's position third or fourth i mean i don't know you could obviously ben white Tommy Asu, you could argue, would play there. And I think, I think yeah. obviously, yeah, you know, if Tommy Asu is fit, there might be some rejigging that you do where Ben White maybe goes into, into centre-back. But Probably does, yeah. 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 So so it's probably our fourth-choice centre-back. And I think ultimately, for even for the top teams, if you're, bringing in, if you're having to bring in your fourth-choice centre-back, you, you have to expect, you know, the quality's not going to be the same level, right? It's not going to be at Saliba's level. So um, I think that just is what it is. And that's just how it works. Like, that's just... Like we have to accept that's that's how it works when you're you're using your squad, but it could be a lot worse, right? He's he's extremely experienced. He's had that experience of what happened at White Hart Lane, sorry, at Tottenham Stadium um, last season, mm. where it was a high pressure game and it all just got to him. It all just got to him. The occasion, the fact there was a derby, the fact that there was so much riding on the game, it all just got to him, and he, and he completely lost his head in that first half. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that from a kind of mindset perspective that puts him in a in a better mindset come Liverpool on Sunday but again the worry is you know who's he going to be coming up against it's players like Salah it's players like you know Luis Diaz I think Diaz might be back apparently but yeah Jota, Gakpo you know all of these great great attackers Darwin Nunes so my worry is is that Arsenal you know we play with a high line we push the whole team pushes forward when we have the ball if we lose the ball 
And Liverpool are very, very good at transitioning the ball up the other end really quickly. And Salah plays on the last man. Um, Jota plays on the last man. That's the worry. That's the concern. I don't mm. really have any concerns about, you know, like Aerie Lee, he's fantastic. I think, like I said, kind of what happened at the back end of last season when he came in, I think that, I think that should help. I think that, I don't know. I just think that's a good experience for him to have gone through. It wasn't a good experience for us, obviously, because it meant we missed out. That was one of the reasons why we missed out on top four. But I think for him individually or personally, it's a good experience. It's a good learning curve for him, right? Because it just, yeah, you know, he's at that age now where he comes in as an experienced defender and, you know, we know what's expected of him and he knows what he has to do. And like I say, I think, I think, he, he, he could potentially have a very solid game against An- A- A- Anfield against Liverpool, but I'm also worried that, you know, if we play the way that we play, um, he could really get exposed and it could, it could, you know, he could have a bit of a nightmare game. He could yeah. really easily have, just like in the, in the blink of an eye, we lose the ball, um, you know, Trent plays a crossfield pass or something and he's, you know, he's well up the pitch or he's out of position. And yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess, look, at the end of the day, luckily, you know, again, fingers crossed, Ben White, Look, you know, should be fit. Gabriel should be fit. He's got those two either side of him. Um, you couldn't ask for two more solid players, and you've got Thomas Party in front of you. So we kind of need to basically work as a team to almost protect him a little bit in in some of those situations as much as possible. And look, I think if Arsenal go and play their game, then uh, you know, not going onto predictions or anything, but you know, potentially we could we could do some damage at Anfield because we're a very similar team to Man City, and if we can do what Man City did to Liverpool and and pull their players out of position and exploit the space, then we could score a couple of goals and maybe we don't have to worry too much about Rob Holding being exposed and hopefully, you know, that's the ideal scenario. And so do you think that, I was going to ask you, in my mind, maybe there are two options for Arteta and it'll be interesting to see what he does based on where things went wrong last year. One of those options is, does he basically say, you know, we're really, we're really good at what we're doing at the moment. Let's just go and play how we would even if William Saliba was there, we keep the same structures. We, you know, play high and we back the fact that Liverpool's defence have been pretty poor and our, you know, we've scored 70 goals this season. We're pretty good and we're pretty good away from home. We're very good away from home. So will he just say, no, you know what? Let's go plan A, completely plan A. And maybe we will, we will have some hairy moments at the back. Maybe we'll concede one or two, but maybe we won't. And I back us to score more than them. Do you think he's more likely to do that? Or is he more likely to go, geez, last last season at Spurs, we played a high line with Rob Holding in the team as well, and and it was a complete shit show. I guess what's unclear as to whether, you know, how Rob Holding the things some of the things Rob Holding did was that because of the tactical decisions that Arteta made, or was it just holding going rogue but anyway let's just assume that what Arteta did last season was play a high line because that's what it looked like he did and um you know do, so do you think he'll look at that and go actually forget that because he'll get slaughtered I'm going to learn from that experience and I'm going to change I'm going to have to tweak my tactics for this game maybe I'll take a draw a draw would be a, you know decent result I'll um I'll, I'll I'll play deeper and I'll just I'll tweak my tactics what do you think do you think he's more likely to go for the first option or second so this is this is such an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think I feel like based on what we've seen from Arteta, he will want to go. There. He'll want obviously want to go there and win the game. But I feel like he'll feel like he feels like we have a genuine chance of going there and winning this game. Um, we haven't won at Anfield in a long time, and ultimately, it's another game that you know we need. We need. 
it's not to say we need three points, but you know what I mean, right? We're chasing something. Mm. We're, we're after something this season. And, and every three points is massive. So I, th- I feel like there's a big part of me that wants to say he will stick to the game plan. We don't have, you know, if you think back to last season, even what happened at Anfield last season, what happened at St. James's Park, what happened at um, Tottenham Stadium, we were short on some serious like senior players. Like we didn't, you know, we were playing a, a, probably Lacazette in most of those games and, and we know what the upgrade's been since Hazes joined. I'm pretty sure Partey didn't play in many of those games. I think like mm. players like Tommy Asu were injured. There, there were quite a few injuries. We had people like Cedric coming in and Tavares and Laconga, you know, so it's very, very different to what the team we're expecting to see on Sunday. So I'm kind of in the, I, I, my thinking is... It's a good point. Yeah, so my, my, my thinking is he, he probably has enough to go with us playing you know, the, 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 the way that we've been playing all season pretty much in terms of setting up. Um, and yeah, I think it's just such a great opportunity to actually go and win at Liverpool this, this time mm. around. Like, I, I think we said this last season as well, where I think we came into that game on a decent run, if I remember, and we still got smashed and kind of our vulnerabilities were really exposed. But it feel it obviously it's different this season. It's completely different. Completely this season. different. Completely yeah. Different, yeah. So you know, and I think like we're full of confidence. We've won seven on the bounce. Like I think it will just be. I'm not sure it'd be the right move to try and change it up for for a game like this. You know, they're eighth in the league. I think sixth, eighth, something like that. I don't know. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know they they they've not been the same Liverpool that they've been the last few years and they can be got at like they can be got at even at Anfield I think they can be got at I'm, I say this but look I caveat it with I think they've only lost one at home this season uh, I don't even know who that's to but I think they've won like nine in 13 at home they've obviously still got a very good home record um, so yeah but I, I, I think like uh, the way that Arteta the way that the way that Based on just, yeah, just based on the last three years, basically, and especially now, I can't see him changing how we play to suit a team that ultimately we've been better than this season. Mm-hmm. I think when we go to Man City, that's different. But yeah, I can't, I can't see that being the case about against Liverpool. What, what do you reckon? I agree with you. I agree with you for the reasons that you said in terms of the he won't, I don't think he'll look at the fact that when we played Tottenham holding was, you know, there and it was a high line, it went wrong. I I think he will look at it and go, yeah, but I didn't have Partey then. I didn't have all these players in completely different. I don't think so. I I really don't think he will look at it like that. He'll probably just, you know, to some extent, think about the fact that yes, look at the end day, if we are playing a high line, then you can't rely on Rob Holding being the one that pegs it back. So maybe there's some, some things that, you know, he will, he will do to make sure that, I don't know, it's, another one of the fullbacks or or whoever it is that you know has a has a sharp eye on if we lose the ball what they're going to do i don't know so i think i think that i agree with your point it's just a good opportunity to win at anfield if you're not going to go to anfield now when you're top of the league and liverpool are struggling the way that they've been and if you're not going to go for the go for the kill yeah. what does that say about you yeah, exactly. Like it just, you know, whatever. Just what because you don't have one of your best centre backs, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really make sense. So I completely agree with you. It'd be quite interesting to see some of the rest of the lineup. So this question from Aravin that has just come in, saying, "Yes, boys, would you start Martinelli or Trossard for the game?" It's a really interesting one. What do you yeah. think about that? It's a great question. Um, I, I would still 
I would still, I don't think you can drop Martinelli. I don't think you can drop Martinelli. I mean, you can say, put, a lot of people might say the same about Trossard, but for me, I think our first choice front four is, you know, uh, Erdgaard, Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. And I, I want to see Martinelli up against Trent big time. I think he could, he could like end his career on Sunday if he, if he really wanted to. I think Martinelli picks up the ball and starts running at Trent, gets him booked in the first 10 minutes and then you, you don't know. And I think, you know... Right, so, so, I, so, I, so I just challenge yeah, you for a second there, right? You're completely right. But Trossard basically did end Trent's, uh, Trent's career this season. He scored a hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, Liverpool. he did, he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a, very, yeah, that's, a point. that's a really good point. Does that um, change your mind at all? It, it doesn't, mate. I, 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 I mean, look, we all, I think we've all fallen in love with Trossard in the space yeah. of, what, like two or three months. And he's just been an unreal signing. And I'm not, like, knocking him at all. I'm not saying that he probably, he did probably, deserve, he obviously deserves to start. He he started on the right on, on Saturday. And I thought it was a bit quiet in the first half. But he, he really came to life in the second half. And we saw that with kind of his contributions to uh, at least one goal from, from memory. Um, um, and, yeah, he's been fantastic. But I just, I love Martinelli. And I think, you know, him, Jesus, they both go out to the left-hand side they interchange. Martinelli will... I mean, like, a lot of what I'm saying that Martinelli will do, you could sort of see Trossard causing similar levels of damage if he plays. So I don't think there's a wrong choice here, but just my personal preference is it, it's, it's Martinelli. I want to see him go up against Trent. I want to see him kind of drift into the box and swap with Jesus and, you know, get on the end of crosses and get on the end of things in, in the box and just cause all sorts of chaos and mayhem across their, their back line and I think you know that for me that's the strongest front front three or front four, including Erdegaard. And but you know, look, if Trossard started, I wouldn't look at it and think, ah, oh, why is you know why is Martinelli not starting? I wouldn't look at it and think we're we're playing a a super weak, a much weaker team, or a much weaker front line. I'd I'd be you'd still be happy with 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 mm. either, either option. I'm sure you would would as well, right? Completely. It's such a great. It's such a great situation to be yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't, we've never... I mean, how many seasons have we been, you know, being able to do this? Does that actually have a genuine, like, oh, it'd be great if he started, or if he started, it'd be great yeah. either way. It's amazing. <clears throat> and agree. I can see lots of different reasons why I think either would be a good option. Trossard's going to go in, you know, if he starts. that When you've scored a hat-trick against a team in a season, man, like, you're going to be flying. You're going to feel like you're going to get the better of them at the same time. They're going to be terrified of you because of what you did to them he's so clever he's experienced he's he's just got he's got so many good things about him and then I think you know if Trent's had him to deal with all game and then you bring on Martinelli I mean that's just like a headache right it's just Martinelli will have so much energy and so much whatever but you could make the same arguments the other way yeah. You could say that Trent, you know, imagine having to deal with Martinelli for, you know, 60 odd minutes and then you get this guy who scored a hat trick against you come up on the, do you know what I mean? You could, <laughs> yeah. either way. So either way is great. But, you know, just to avoid sitting on the fence, I'm probably going to say I would actually start Trossard for the game um, because of the size of the game, because of the experience, um, because, you know, obviously he's he's got their number. I mean, look, I can turn around and go Martinelli scored against Liverpool in like 10 seconds, like at the beginning of the league, you know, so yeah. beginning of the season. So I don't know. So I'm just, if I was going to make a decision right now, I'm probably going to say Trossard. Um, and, and, but I could feel that would be harsh on Martinelli. Anyway, um, it's um, it's obviously massive. 
we've got so much more to cover on this show, mainly about other clubs. But so let's just give me a give me a prediction. What do you think is going to happen, Mice, in uh, in the Liverpool game? Uh, you know, just just one more thing, I guess, to add just before you make your prediction. One thing that perhaps is going under the radar a little bit is that Liverpool play midweek. They play yeah. uh, tomorrow against Chelsea. You know, it's Chelsea, and you know there are all kinds of a mess, but it's still a fixture. Uh, and they they play tomorrow. So obviously we've got the extra bit of rest. Um, you could probably argue that um, you know Klopp's quite good at firing a rocket up the backside of Liverpool after they've had a bad result. So in a way, it's probably good that someone else is going to get the brunt of that as opposed to us. But um, yeah, so just pausing on that. Yeah, go for it. So what do you think is going to happen on the weekend? Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, it. Yeah, I. The team, like we go into this full of confidence, full of confidence, and we shouldn't be fearing. Like we've got this crap record at Anfield. It's really annoying because there's a couple of grounds, like the Spurs one. We've now kind of banished that that demon, um, beating them this season. I know we need to we need to win at Etihad at some point, pretty soon. Hopefully this season. Um, and Anfield's another one where we just haven't won at all. I can't remember the last time. It's been like ten. It's been like ten years, I think. Like been two thousand twelve. Oh, so it'd be 11 years. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I feel like it's a, I just feel like that if we're ever going to beat them, now's the time to do it, right? Where we, ha- it's a must win game, you know, in terms of the points. And um, we're absolutely flying at the moment. So I think we'll go there with full confidence. Um, but you have to keep in mind, it's still Liverpool at the end of the day, right? They've still got some fantastic players, they don't have a midfield. They've got some really dodgy defenders, but they've got a world-class goalkeeper. They've got world-class fullbacks going forward and they've got world-class forwards. So they're still a really dangerous team. Um, I'm just hoping we see the Liverpool that we saw against City at the back where, like I said before, they're just so open. And, you know, if we can just get hold of the ball, if we can dominate the ball, if we can you know, get the ball into Erdegaard, get the ball into the forward players, like the way that our forwards just create so much yeah chaos like just create chaos they create havoc for opposition defenses by just by you know interchanging of positions you can't say that hey just plays through the middle because he doesn't he drifts left he drifts deep um trossard play can play across the front three you know marcelli goes into the middle so it's just like it must be a nightmare to defend against and i think if we get if we can control the ball then we could do very sim- we could potentially do a, a very similar damage to what City were able to do with, with De Bruyne, with Mahrez, with Grealish, you know. Um, if they give us that space, or if they allow us that space, then we can exploit it. And, you know, we're scoring goals at the moment. It's not like, you know, we're scoring so many goals at the moment. So I just feel like we need to go there and, and try and do the same thing. Um, you know, I really, really would have wished that Saliba, I mean, let's assume Saliba's not fit, I really would have wished that we could have gone with a full-strength team. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not the worst situation. It could be a lot worse. So, um, but saying all of that, I still, I kind of expect a bit of a, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like you say, they've got Chelsea tomorrow, right? So that could play a bit of a factor. You know, if they get a result, kind of pressures off them a little bit going into our game, but then it's still a massive game for them, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of like, yeah, what happens tomorrow when they play Chelsea. But I, I think we'll go there and play really well, but I think they might, kind of do us on the counter they might get a goal or two but basically i'm going to go with a draw like a one let's say one one i'm going to go with a score draw one one i think it 
yeah, I, I, I think we, I think we'll, we'll play really well and maybe even be worthy of a win. But I think they've got enough quality to, 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 to maybe punish us or, or, or get a goal or two against us. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go one one. What be yourself? Okay, I, I'm. Um... <clears throat> So my my feelings are a draw as well, actually. But I think that there's going to be more goals in it. I was actually tempted to say three three. Oh, uh, yeah, God. Um, I don't think I could take that. Yeah, same. Oh, I'm, but I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with two two. Uh, I actually think it'll be a game where both sides will be quite. I think there's it's going to be one of those games that will frustrate fans of both sides, where it'll just be there'll be a few chances that are missed. I think that. Liverpool because it's Liverpool and it's Anfield and and maybe a little bit because it's holding and not Saliba. I think we'll get chances, but I think we're so good going forward. I think that you know we we'll have it as well. So I, I can see it being a really good game and a two-two. And clearly, Aaron in here saying um, he thinks we'll surprise a lot of people, and he's going bold and predicting a four-two Arsenal win. So imagine let's that, hope Aaron is right. Gosh. I mean, huh? imagine that. No, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, imagine yeah, 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 yeah. I'm always. I wonder if he's if he's. Yeah, obviously Aaron wasn't able to join the pod today because um he's he's unwell and his his throat his throat is a bit messed up. But um, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. It's often less about the prediction that I think is interesting, more about how. So I don't know if Aaron is uh is still able to leave a comment and just think about is, is that is that going to because see four two is interesting, right? Because is it is it going to be that could be a battering in terms of like you know we absolutely don't dominate the game and they get a couple of consolation goals, or yeah. is it going to be a really even contest which like Villa like Villa then in the end, Arsenal kind of get one and then, you know, searching for it um, an, an equaliser, Arsenal get the the, the fourth as well. Because um, I, I think in my prediction of, of the 2-2, I actually, I actually <clears> think <throat> it's going to be a really end-to-end 2-2. So I think it's going to be Ooh. literally a 1-0-1-1-2-2-1-2-2. Like, I think it's going to be really even in that way. Um, what, and what about you in your, in your one? Or do you, do you sort of see it being even or is it kind of... No, I think, know, we'll, I think, yeah. we, I think we'll dominate. Yeah. Um, but I think I can see. Yeah, I think they'll get chances as well. Like we seem to be, con- so like, like I said before, we can, we're scoring loads of goals, but we seem to be uh, we seem to be conceding the odd goal here and there. And I think when you're facing a team with Liverpool's quality up front, um, they they they're obviously a dangerous team. So I think I think we, we we might dominate and control a lot more of the ball and have the possession. But yeah, you can't just disregard what they could do to us at the other end. So yeah, yeah, fair. Okay, so Aaron and provide some context. Say might be the cowpole talking. But I think Martinelli will rip them apart. But our weak defence will probably see us concede a few. Um, but a week's a bit harsh. It's holding. You know, it's just necessarily holding. I mean, everyone else is the same. But, you know, and maybe we talk it's the about, We talk about Rob holding like he's some sort of like OAP like, <laughs> one defender. And he's not. I, like, I, like, I know he has a mistake in him. And I know he struggles against like the best teams or the best players. But he's not, he's not a muck. You know, he's still a... It, Relatively experienced. I think. I think it's the levels, player. though, isn't it? It, it's it the levels. is. But I think. I think he gets a lot of like, like people sometimes see holding in the team and think, "Oh my god, like we're going to concede three goals or something." But yeah, bit harsh. I, I feel like he gets a bit of a, a a bit too much stick sometimes. But yeah. Aaron in the comments saying we'll go three 0 up like the past two games and let in a sloppy goal. <laughs> well, Joe, you know I'll take that. If we go, if we, yeah. it's like three one. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, yes, I know. Aaron makes a good point. Our defense has been sloppy since the World Cup. But anyway, look. Anyway, cool. Let's let's move on. Um, because so much else happened right over the last ten days, and we didn't record because of the international break. Yeah, but so much happened. So, <coughs> Conte <coughs> left by mutual consent. Um, Paratici then 
although who was still the face of Tottenham at this point in terms of kind of giving the various interviews, etc., uh, it was announced that his ban was officially extended globally and then he stepped down. So Paratici and Conte, the double act kind of went, but the um, backroom staff at, at Tottenham seemed to stay and Stellini, who was the assistant manager, is now the interim coach. Uh, Tottenham also did a kind of a weird thing and announced that Stellini and Ryan Mason would be taking over till the end of the season. So basically almost saying, you know, we're not going to look for someone until the end of the season. I, I, again, I'm not really sure they, that, that how true that will end up being. But um, that happened. Uh, and then on the same day, yesterday, uh, Chelsea and Leicester both sacked their managers. Opposite ends of the table in theory, you know, in terms of reputation, um, I suppose. Well, not even a reputation, I suppose. You know, Scratch that point. Chelsea and Leicester obviously both massively struggling compared to the expectations of their their, their fans and what people think that they should be achieving. Both sack their manager on the same day. Brendan Rodgers goes, and so does Graham Potter. Uh, my, okay, maybe we should take it one by one in a second. But which one of those surprised you the most? Uh, definitely not the Conte one. I think that was writing was on the wall for a while, to be honest. Um, the, the Rogers won a little bit because it felt like they were going to stick with him even though they were dropping further and further down the table. Like, he's been their manager for a while, last few years, and, you know, he did bring them a fair bit of success. When you're Leicester City and you're winning the FA Cup and getting into Europe and stuff, like, that's like that that that's big. But I, I guess they were, they were maybe just um, – dropping so far down that I didn't realise they were 19th until I checked earlier today, which is kind of mental, um, 19th in the league, and, and maybe that was just a step too far for them. So maybe the Rodgers one, like Potter, we spoke about Chelsea a few weeks ago, didn't we? I think it was me and you doing an episode. Um, and that's really interesting because it felt like he was, like he was the, you know, he was the project manager. He was a long-term vision. Even a lot of the stuff that he was saying, you know, he referenced Arteta. When, he, when he's been under pressure in the last few weeks, he referenced Arteta and Arsenal from two or three years ago. And, you know, he said, look, you know, look at, look at where Arsenal were under Arteta in the first six months in the first year and look at where they are now. So basically saying, give me some time. But I think, I think when, like, I didn't realise this because I didn't follow what happened in the Chelsea game uh, on Saturday when they lost to Villa. But apparently, again, I haven't even seen the highlights, but apparently he played Reese James and Cucurella as two centre-backs center along, alongside mm. who was someone I, can't remember, I don't know who they played as their third centre-back. I think, I want to say it's Koulibaly. Okay. But I want to say that. Point, yeah. Only reason I'm mentioning it is it feels like, like, why would you do that? That's mental. Yeah, I think they I had know. two centre-backs yeah. on the bench. So, so like, it just feels like maybe Bowley or who, I guess he's making the decision, but you know, the hierarchy look, you know, obviously the results have been awful. Um, and maybe they felt like they've got a better chance of, potentially winning the Champions League with a different a different coach in charge. And it doesn't really feel like he ever, like Potter really ever grasped the size of the job, you know, and I don't think he ever really didn't, based on what's coming out of Chelsea, like, like I, I, it doesn't feel like he's ever, he'd ever, he'd ever, he ever really won the dressing room over either. Like there's some massive players there, um, players on huge money. It doesn't feel like he ever, yeah, he ever really won the dressing room. Even, even if when you think about 
like he's he's left was it yesterday or a couple of days ago whenever it was so yesterday and i don't think i've seen anything on social media from like any of their players to say it's a really good point yeah cheers you know cheers for the sick whatever you know thanks wish you all the best type of thing and that says a lot because even like you know generally you know you you do see something from the players or at least the, yeah. the players or the senior players you know so um so yeah i think the one that surprised me the most maybe rogers i i think i don't know the potter one like i don't know what, what do you think mate because like it, it felt like they again they were going to stick with him even though yeah. from the outside it looked like well why you know why is he not gone yet but when it gets to this point in the season, it's like, right, they may, they're probably just going to stick with him to the end of the season, then make a decision and see if they can get someone else in. And, and look, maybe the fact that a couple of managers have now come up on the market, well, namely Nagelsmann, maybe the fact that he's now available has, has, has kind, of, um, kind of pushed them to pull the trigger. Maybe, maybe it's that. That's the only bit that makes sense to me, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. I, uh, Potter hadn't been good for a, a while, right? Yeah. And he was doing kind of all kinds of weird things. And Chelsea fans never really properly took to him in the first place, but certainly, you know, over the last few months, pretty much kind of steadily increased in wanting wanting him out. So he wasn't popular with the fans, and it did seem like the club wanted to stick by him. And then actually recently in the Premier League anyway, I mean, I think they... At their last four games, they won. They won two, drew one, and then lost this one. So they kind of turned a little bit of a corner, like results-wise. Because even this one that they lost, I know they you know lost, and I know it's home, and you shouldn't lose at home, and it's to Villa or whatever. Um, but Villa are doing okay at the moment, and actually, I think Chelsea had about twenty shots or something like this. So it, I feel like the timing is weird, unless it's because of Nagelsmann. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they have just stayed? What was the what was the advantage? It's not like they've got fine. They're playing for the Champions League, uh, but um, what do they think that their assistant manager's got a better chance of doing it than Potter? No, like you know, they they would have had to have someone in mind, I guess. Um, and there were always going to be an outside chance for the Champions League, given that you know that the, their teams were quite clearly better than them this season, who are still in that competition. So I I I, I personally w- was surprised that they sacked him. Uh, but um, as I said, if they end up getting Nagelsmann, then I wouldn't be too surprised because some of the backroom yeah. staff are, are are Leipzig, are ex Leipzig, and etc. But at the end of the day, mate, their owners have completely, completely screwed this up. I mean, whatever way you look at it, I don't. They came in, spent two hundred odd million uh, um, in Tuchel's window, and then sacked Tuchel. And then, you know, paid all that money to get Potter and get loads of backroom staff and <coughs> basically just said, yeah, he's our guy. He's our project, whatever. What experience? Potter did have no experience at a big club. So this is clearly you, he's got ideas and they want long term investment in whatever. Gave him a January window, spent 200. Million, and, and you could say that, OK, although they gave him a window, how many of those mm. signings were his? Probably, you know, it, you know, not. I don't know if he had any say, but you know what it's like, right? Whoever they get in next, whoever it is, is going to probably turn around and say, okay, look, I I actually want X, Y, Z player. And, you know, they're going to have to back them. And now again, maybe they will, whoever they hire next, maybe they're hiring them in the same way. And they say, you're not a manager, you're a head coach. You'll take who we give you. Maybe, 
Um, but it's just a, a bit of a, a shit show, isn't it? Really, it just it is just a really poorly a really poorly executed year in terms of your first owner, you know, your kind of first year in ownership. And, you know, maybe time will tell, maybe like this strategy of signing all these young players and finding this really weird, you know, hole in the market where they believe that there's, you know, something to be exploited here in terms of the contract length and younger players and blah, 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 all that jazz. Maybe it'll turn out to be really good, but it just looks like a complete mess, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've basically summed it up really well and can't sort of disagree with anything you've said. Like, yeah. And, and, I, and I think it just feels like Todd Bowley's like, I've obviously no idea what kind of kind of person he is, but it feels like he's the kind of like he just he's, he's come into this completely oblivious to what is actually required and sort of the skills and, you know, in terms of decision making, just no clue. Just, just a real kind of hire and fire approach, and and very mm. much a scattergun approach on all levels of of how he's managing the club or how he's looking after the club. And I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you've got to be really worried. Like I know you've got Chelsea mates. I don't really, mm. I don't have any Chelsea mates to be honest. But I know you've got Chelsea mates, and I don't know, like, what's the feeling? Because like, if this was happening to Arsenal, you'd be seriously worried. Like, what the hell? Like, it's not just oh, we've lost a few games and we're going to have a shit season, and they're probably going to go. I think they've got Real Madrid in the Champions League, but I think could be wrong on that. Um. Probably yeah, going to go yeah. out the Champions League. Yeah, probably going to go out the Champions League. Well, let's say they go out the Champions League. Um, it's a nothing season, but and I think you, as a fan, you can accept a nothing season if there's a plan, you know. But they've just ripped their plan up, like their plan that they had. They've just absolutely ripped it up, and they're starting again. So I don't know. Have you, have you spoken to any of your Chelsea mates? Have they got any feelings? Uh, all the Chelsea fans I know have won Potter out. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Um, there's not one that thought that he needed more time, and and they obviously, the, the, my friends who are Chelsea fans, are obviously into the detail way more than I I am, and and you know talk about the decisions that he's made tactically and selections wise just make no sense, and just really disliked how he is in interviews and kind of the 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 image and the vibe that he gives off. It's, it's just not this kind of winning um, alpha in some ways mentality that I think that Chelsea have. And, um, and that's part of their DNA and in their DNA has served them well for a number of years and they've won so many trophies. So, it's just not something I think. I think the Chelsea fans just don't identify with Graham Potter and have just felt that it was way too big for him. I have a mate who sits next to me at work, and he um he was there uh, on on the weekend, and yeah, he, he was he, he was just saying that it was it was awful. Even though even though fine, they had chances or whatever. Like just seeing the selection, seeing kind of you know Reese James playing in that position, it was just so painful, um, and. Um, and yeah, so look, I think they're all happy, uh, I, and I think they've got to the point where they they, they feels like they don't really care who comes in immediately. Uh, the general feeling from the Chelsea fans I know is that they'd rather wait for the summer and um, and assess kind of all the options at that point. Mm. Uh, I don't. It's it's interesting because I, I again like the, all the Chelsea fans I've spoken to don't really seem overhyped about Nagelsmann. Don't necessarily think that he's the one, um, and I think that's because ultimately in some ways is it a bit of a potter situation because he's just he's a, he's a really young coach who um and i know potter's not actually that young but like he, he's this is nogsman's a ridiculously young coach he's like 34 years old and he did a decent job um in a he did a, de- a decent job in the uh, in the bundesliga until i guess he got this um 
uh, Bayern Munich job, which again on paper he's he's done okay, but seemingly he wasn't a great fit in terms of kind of what the club hierarchy expected of him, in terms of one of the, or some of the senior players kind of expected of him. So, you know, I think there's that feeling of well, he's not necessarily proved it as a project manager. He's so young; he hasn't been in anywhere that that long. Um, can he? do a project which is clearly what Chelsea want but also can he meet the expectations of a big club um because he didn't at Bayern Munich so you know they're not chomping at the bit there so I think they're all kind of willing to sort of wait for the summer and see what happens because who knows in the summer y- y- you don't know there might be some other moves um there's kind of there's talk about Zidane maybe thinking about management again and you know obviously it'll be quite a, a compelling um a, comp- a, a compelling proposition given you know what he did at real madrid so you know who who knows there um yeah but but tottenham mate so tottenham they've just played today tonight uh their first game since um second conte uh they've drawn one all they uh played everton they they were one nil up and it was a very very boring first half and a really mental second half and in the end they they lost to a, a screamer from michael Keane in the 90th minute it's uh, interesting for Spurs, isn't it? Because despite the fact that Conte and all that nonsense, they were still fourth. And uh, today's result, if I get the table up, um, where are they now at the moment? They are oh. still fourth. Yeah. Um, but um, the teams around them have got games in hand. Newcastle have got two games in hand. Man United have got two games in hand. Brighton have got three games in hand. So, it's a bit interesting for Spurs, isn't it? So what do you think about them? And do you think that they, are you surprised that they haven't named anyone yet or haven't gone for Pochettino or, or, you know, what, what do you think? I think, yeah, Poch was the, I mean, it felt like it was a natural, you know, the timing was right. Um, it, it always felt like when Poch left, <clears throat> excuse me, when Poch left, it, it was like a, it was leading up to that point because you heard some of the comments that Poch was coming out with um, about kind of like working conditions, as it were, and he was he was you know throwing a few complaints, subtle complaints in in these press conferences about kind of I think spending and being backed and stuff. Uh, so so when he left, it did kind of feel like it was leading up to that. But I think also like I, I think now Spurs have kind of gone not full circle as such, but they've gone through a couple of managers. They've tried you know play, managers like Jose, managers like Conte. And it just feels like it's almost like, you know, um, rejoining or that's not the word I'm looking for, but you know, the word I'm looking, whatever the word I'm looking for is, but basically, you know, um, reconnecting with 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 Poch, um, just seems natural. Like it just would have made it for me. It makes a lot of sense, but I don't know if it's Levy possibly, um, you know, Levy's ego maybe preventing him from from approaching him or, or wanting to bring him back. Um, or maybe there's another reason, or maybe Poch just doesn't want to come back. But, you know, they were most successful under him, as in their most successful period in, in recent years has been under him. They obviously did, you know, got to a Champions League final, you know, we're finishing top four, playing good football as well, which is, I think, which is, which if Levy wants to appease the fans, Poch makes a lot of sense from that perspective as well. Like the fans would love that appointment. If you're a Tottenham fan, you would absolutely go mental if you get Poch back. And I think a lot of Spurs fans will be happy. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, maybe they're just... Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get someone else in. Like I think a manager like Deserby must be super attractive. Like I'm not saying he's going to leave Brighton after just joining them because probably isn't, and I'm not sure he'd even 
I don't know, maybe would he, would he want, would a manager like him want the Spurs job when they're literally, yeah, like a few points behind them this season? Um, and he's, like I say, he's just joined. But a man, like, I, I wonder if a Chelsea, a Spurs are looking at Deservey as a potential option and like thinking, can we, you know, can we get him in the summer? Maybe, like he's doing sure so not. well at Brighton. Do you say surely not? No, I'm sure they are. I'm sure oh, they sorry, are. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely no idea why why there's not been an appointment yet. I'm I'm not necessarily surprised by it because ultimately it's a, it's a I'm not surprised by the fact that you had they haven't appointed someone yet because it's only been kind of ten what is it yeah like you say ten days or something, um, and maybe they're just going through the process of, of, of trying to find the right person or or speaking to different options or maybe they're waiting for someone in the in the summer possibly, um, but I just I just like I just it would just be really funny if like you know, kind of what happened when they ended up uh, getting, um, what's the Wolves manager's name that they, they, they got a couple of years ago. What, Nuno. Nuno, yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Nuno, Nuno Espirito Santo. When they, when they got him, but basically he was like their last, last, last option. They interviewed everyone, including Conte that summer and Mm. and everyone turned them down. It would just be quite funny if that happens really, because it's like the the Tottenham job doesn't really seem that attractive. The Chelsea job doesn't really seem that attractive. Um, apart from financially, obviously, it's going to be, you know, serious money. But, um, yeah, like Poch makes, I don't know, from the outside, Poch just makes a lot of sense. But maybe there's, a, like I said, maybe there's a reason why Levy doesn't want to go back go back to him. But what do you reckon? I think Poch makes a lot of sense. I agree. I think t- Tottenham just... Where do, you, where do you start with Tottenham, right? Because in many ways, I'll defend Daniel Levy. And I think that to build that stadium that they did and to actually pretty much every window recently, every kind of, at least every summer, it feels like they have back to whoever their manager is with money. And with the fact that they have always, at least in recent times, targeted big name managers, you know, some on big salaries, they've tried to get them, you know, they've been ambitious Okay, you can't really fault. I mean, they're not Tottenham aren't. I mean, everything that I've just said right now is a sort of thing that you would associate with a big club. And therefore, Tottenham in the way they behave and those things behave like a big club. But the fact of the matter is, you know, most big clubs, like there, put it this, there's no club in the world that is as big as Tottenham is in terms of the things that I've just mentioned, the, the fees that they kind of can pay to players, the um, the stadium, the managers. There is no club who is of that level who has not won any trophies. Yeah, Tot- Tottenham are this unique, unique case in European football. They, yeah. they don't win trophies. They're, they're not illustrious. People around the world don't sit there going, I want to play for Tottenham Hotspur. I dream of playing for Tottenham Hotspur. No one is doing that around the world. No one is saying, remembering, oh, remember that Tottenham, that great Tottenham side in the you know, late 90s. No, no one's saying any of that stuff. Mm. No one. Yet, they, yet Levy's managed to do that. Stadium, players, managers, being in the top four for most seasons recently. Mm. So, okay, like he's, he's got his faults, but, uh, you know, and, and this is where I think Tottenham had this really weird, thing where I, I feel like a lot of their supporters don't really I, I, either it's because of Arsenal I don't know what what it is but 
you know, they, they feel that they need more. They deserve more. They should be doing more. And Levy should be doing more. And, 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 and Lewis should be doing <clears> more. And, you know, it's all Enoch out. And yeah, look, at the end of the day, man, like you get a multi-billionaire and fine, things change. That things, things can sort of change for any club. But, you know, you, you to, to some degree, it's it's going to be incredibly hard. It's going to be incredibly, incredibly hard, I think, um, for Tottenham if they fall out of the top four because they, they don't have that billionaire and, you know, you, you can't predict if that billionaire thing is going to happen. And if Tottenham are outside of the top four with um, the stadium debt uh, and with the kind of ambition that I think their fans expect them to have, the place is just going to go so toxic. It's going to be so toxic. The fans will not be happy. Will not be happy if they are, you know, are you know, sixth, seventh, kind of, you know, the fans are going to hate it. Financially, they will struggle. It, it just, it could become a real problem, Tottenham. I think. I think, I think, with the fans, is an interesting one because I think it depends on what type of Tottenham fan you speak to. But I, I think they take a few seasons of kind of not really doing much in the Premier League and not being in. The Champions League, if they win a trophy, like if they even if they won the League Cup, mm. you know, a couple of seasons of kind of mediocrity in the league, but they win a trophy, like they actually get to experience what that feeling is like as a fan. I think, I think genuinely, there's a lot of Spurs fans that would actually be happy with that. And similarly, obviously, with the FA Cup, like winning for them, winning the FA Cup is like, I mean, off the scale. You know, if, if you're a Spurs fan of the last like 30 years, if you're our age as a Spurs fan, You've seen very, very little. Um, and yeah, compare, yeah. Like you, you made a good point. If you compare it to what your rivals are doing down the, down the road, where we've won, prem, we've won everything. Well, okay, I say everything. We've won Premier Leagues. We've won domestic cups. Um, it must be really, really hard. So I think for that reason alone, just to get that, you know, have that experience and to almost like to, almost to be able to f- like fend off a lot of the banter that they get for not winning trophies, like what you just said at the start, right? Um, I, think, I think that... that for at least a period of a couple of seasons, would would be would appease it would appease a lot of Tottenham fans. Great, I I I I, I agree that winning an FA Cup for them because of that, you know, the the fact that they just don't do those things would be a huge thing for their fan base. I, I totally get that. I I do go back to the point about finances and stuff like that, though. Like I I don't I would really 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 if i was a tottenham fan i'd be incredibly concerned about the prospect of being out of the top four for more than a season i really would because there's a rebuild they need at that club anyway this isn't a case where it's like oh you know if arsenal did nothing in the transfer market if they did nothing it you know it wouldn't okay we probably wouldn't be able to win the league um but it's a young team and, you know, you, you, you can kind of say that, all right, fine. Like, you can just sort of stick with that young core and, you know, whatever. Tottenham, Tottenham like, this is it, man. Like, they, mm. they've got their best players are all ageing. And so it's it's not, yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And therefore, look, getting back to the point, this wasn't meant to be just Tottenham bashing thing at all. But the point is, the next manager, I, I'm, I'm really like, struggling to, to, to think about what might be the best thing. I almost think in some ways... um. You know, many of these options have their merits. Rogers has it has its merits to some degree. I think, um, you know, Pochettino has its merits to some degree. I think if they get Potter, I think that'll be really interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, because I think Potter will be desperate for that job, man. Like I think Potter, will, you know, will, will will really, really be up for it. Because if he doesn't get the Tottenham job, I'm not really gone. Sorry. I was going to say, do you think he might look at that? Because Tottenham, it, we were talking about this on, on our group chat yesterday. And, and I think I said something along the lines of, um, there's less there's less pressure in the Tottenham in you know being the Tottenham manager because the fans like their expectations like I said before are not that big so you know winning a trophy I think would make a lot of Tottenham fans happy but anyway I think the, what I was going to ask was like do you think Potter might look at it and think like do you, do you think he just might look at it and just think I just want to steer clear you're saying he's desperate he would be desperate for that job but do you think he might look at yeah. it and just think I just want to steer clear because like you say there's a lot it's it's like the Chelsea job is I understand you understand why he went from Brighton to Chelsea because that offer may never come like and mm. as a manager it's like as a player as well you sometimes get these offers or options or you know whatever and it's like if I don't take it now will it will I ever get the chance will I get the chance in a year's time where I'm probably a better fit and more experienced and all the rest of it or do I just take it now because yeah it could be a once in a lifetime thing but now he's had that experience of what happened at Chelsea and it's gone completely wrong do you think he'd be willing to risk do you think he'd be willing to risk it happening again at a relatively you know a pretty big club you know Champions League club at the moment or this season um you know, 60,000 fans every week, quite a, you know, expensive squad, all that kind of stuff. And and if it goes wrong again, like, does that ruin his, does that ruin his kind of almost reputation? And he, and he almost has to go back to the start in terms of his managerial career. Like, almost like what he did at Brighton and what he did at, like, Ostersons and, and wherever else mm. before. It's almost like that gets written off because of what you've done in the last, you, you had two opportunities at two pretty big clubs and you failed at both. And I don't know if that might be in the back of his mind where he might just actually not, necessarily back himself in, in a way yeah I, I i agree with that i but i'm not sure what the alternative is because let's say he doesn't go to doesn't do tottenham so he's already now now he's got this stain on him that he went to this kind of big club and it didn't work out and in fairness to him what he could probably argue is like look i have these head case owners and it was just like a, it was like crazy yeah. it was mental whatever right but 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 whatever it didn't it didn't work out now Look at the other Premier League jobs, like big big clubs. Okay, so he's never going to get he's not going to get the Man City job anytime soon. Um, you know, even if Pep left, they're not going to go for Graham Potter. I mean, our Arsenal's job, as you know, Arteta's, you know, got that job nailed down for as long as he probably wants it at the moment. You probably say, um, Man United, Ten Hag is probably going to stick around, and and I don't again, I don't think they'd go for Potter after you know what what happened with Chelsea. So th- that's three already, right? And then Chelsea, obviously out. Then then who you got? Liverpool. You know, m- maybe if it wasn't for what happened at Chelsea, I could could think that maybe Liverpool would look at him uh, uh, to follow up Klopp, but I don't think they would now. So I guess where I'm going with this is, what's his other option if it's not Tottenham? Um, do you have to wait until? would you suggest that he just buys his time and just doesn't take a job and then kind of just hopes that, you know, one of those top clubs that I mentioned goes through a cycle again and then takes it? Or do you actually think that he should take a mid-range club again? My concern is a little bit is if he takes a mid, mid-range club, you know, he really has to back himself doing really well at that mid-range club again for him to be considered for a top job again. And I don't, mm. don't know if... You know the 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 environment in the Premier League, the money that's at play. I just you know I'm not really I can't really see it. Should mm. get this feeling like like you said it before. I think when you were talking about um, 
you speaking to your Chelsea mates, you know, the, yeah. the perception he gives in kind of like, um, yeah, press, press conferences. Like, he, like Arteta came in and owned the job, you know, he owned the yeah, role, he, totally he understood, did, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he understood what was, totally. what was required. He stepped up, you know, people were mocking him and all the rest of it, you know, he's yeah. our peps ball or whatever, puts the cones out, all the, you know, and, 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 and it didn't matter. Like he had his way and he's now earned the respect, obviously through results and everything else. But I think, I feel like with Potter, like you say, some of his comments have been a bit weird and it almost feels like he's, if you think about sometimes when you interact with people in the pub and stuff and there's always like one guy who just talks big they're not they're not big you know they're not like um you know they talk like they've got either loads of money or they get all the girls or whatever it might be you know they've got the best car that kind of thing like just someone who and it feels like he was almost trying to yeah he was trying to trying to justify why he's been given that job and and i don't know i just wonder as well like similar kind of thing happening with tottenham it might just be I completely get what you're saying. Like it's all valid, and, and I don't disagree with it. I just wonder, if in his mind, he might he might genuinely just look at it and think, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to put that pressure on myself again." Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I, I could I could see him taking the job at the same after saying all of that. I could see him taking the job because it's 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 probably a pretty attractive. You know, if you could be the guy who delivers Tottenham a trophy, yeah, yeah, you know that that is super attractive, right? Because 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 yeah, no one else has been able to do it, so. I, I, to be honest, though, I think it would also depend on what, um, you know, what expectations Levy would have on his day. I think if Levy turned around and said to Potter, or whoever else is interviewing, said, hey, listen, yeah, you know, like my expectations are that we'd be in the top four next season or something like this. I, I would probably try and steer, steer clear of it because it's just I, I think that if you're a manager and you go and I know that it might feel a bit odd saying that because Tottenham are already kind of, you know, they, they probably will finish in, well, they could very well finish in the top four this season. But I think, you know, you've got to be honest with yourself. I think if you're a manager coming into the Tottenham job now, you probably got to look at it and go, I need to rebuild this team. I need to, the, you know, I, I need to almost not, not start from scratch, but you know, it's going to, it's going to require effort. And maybe if, if Levy was to take, say to him that, Say, listen, we'll back you every period of time. It's not your job is not going to require you finishing the Champions League next season. That'd be brilliant, but you know. Anyway, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm really yeah. to see how all this plays out. Uh, clearly, there'll be a little bit of a merry-go-round um, element to it, I suppose. Like when, um, whether that's in the summer or or or, or earlier than that. Um, but yeah, mate, listen, we've been talking for a while, uh, an hour and fifteen roughly so um maybe we'll call it there one thing that uh we wanted to touch on was something that is a very very different note and it's um it's a bit weird to almost i suppose like end the episode on a note like this but one of the big things that has been going around arsenal twitter today has been the slightly i don't even know best way to describe it but a very unexpected thing happened where KSI on um, one of his sidemen videos made a, a, uh, a, a racial slur. He used the, the, the P word that is a, you know, a racial slur used at South Asian people in the UK. It's a, it's a term which is very offensive to be used at a, a South Asian person in the, in the UK it does not necessarily have the same meaning elsewhere. Um, so it is relatively specific to the UK in that respect. 
And we sort of thought that given on this podcast, we are probably one of the only pure South Asian ethnicity podcasts around there. It would probably be a bit weird if we didn't say anything about it. Um, Luke, I might as well be keen to know your, your thoughts on this. I, when I saw this doing the rounds, before I had watched <coughs> the video of this clip of, of him using this, using this word, I, um, I actually instinctively just thought that it must have been a complete slip of the tongue and oh, it must have been a really stupid thing for him to say in a really, um, you know, yeah, kind of just flash of stupidity. I, you know, even without knowing the context, I just assumed that it was a moment of stupidity. When I watched this video, I actually, I, I, I thought much worse of him when I saw this video because it felt like he knew that it was an offensive thing to say. He actually thought about whether he should say it or not. And just thought, screw it, I'm going to say it anyway. And then said it. And then all of his kind of mates and cronies all sort of laughed. And I know sometimes it's quite difficult because in that moment, maybe that in that kind of just that moment, they all didn't really know how to react and just laughed or whatever. But it comes across looking, in my opinion, really, really, really bad. Um, for someone who is now a very public face, um, who has huge following, uh, has a huge following of fairly young people. Um, it, it comes across looking really bad. He has subsequently apologized, saying that, you know, there was no um, excuse, you know, effectively for using uh, a word like that. And, you know, he, he should do better. And I think sidemen have apologized, et cetera. What do you feel about it? What, you know, what, what are your thoughts on it? Um yeah i mean look mate like it's 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 really it's disappointing it's really disappointing i'm not like um i'm not someone i obviously know who ksi is i know who the sidemen are i occasionally catch bits of their videos like the short form content i don't generally watch like their videos or anything but you know it's, it's everywhere so you can't miss it um what i guess for me what the most disappointing thing is is like i've got kids i've got uh, an eight-year-old daughter I've got nephew. She doesn't really know who he is, to be fair. She knows what Prime is because everyone knows what Prime is. And obviously that's associated to him. Um, but I've got like nephews, for example, um, nieces and nephews who, who who absolutely adore the Sidemen. Like they are obsessed with the Sidemen, you know, ranging from the ages of like, let's say eight or nine up to kind of 15, 16. Um, and I genuinely, I mean, obsessed, like they wait for the videos to come out. They're going up and spending 20 pounds on a bottle of prime just because it's case size drink. So like, I guess the, that's the most disappointing thing for me, right? Because he's got such, like you say, he's got so many followers, but it's not just followers, the influence that he has on the younger generation. And as a dad, we're both dads as a dad, like this is the kind of thing you start to think about and you think about this anyway, right? Just, you know, in life, but especially mm -hmm. more so when you think it's, you know, your kids are going to be exposed to this stuff as they get older. Um, and I think that's that's the really sad thing that it's it was said in such a way that it was obviously said he obviously said it. I mean, it feels like he said it just trying to be funny, but mm. he must know like, you know, he's I think he's like 30 years old. So he's not a kid. Right. It's not like a 16 year old saying this who's completely like oblivious and untrained, essentially, and just doesn't know the kind of connotations of that word and, and, and what it represents because you know, one of the Sidemen members is, is is South Vic is South Asian, right? I think Indian. I'm not sure exactly where he's from, but you know, so so like anyway, like I think you know, if you've grown up in a you know, England is a multicultural country. I think he's from London or around London. I could be wrong on that. Like he must know he, and I think he does know, 
that it's not something you should be saying uh, because he kind of, he like preempts the, uh, like, what is it? He like, he basically warns everyone. He's like, I'm not trying to offend anyone here, but, and he goes and says it. So it's like, I have no idea what's going through his head, to be honest. And it's, it's obviously a moment of stupidity and, and, yeah, just just really disappointing from that from that perspective. For, for me, it's the most disappointing thing is that his reach is so big that, um, mm. you know, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go out to so many kids basically, and 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 that's the sad thing because they might now think that it's an okay thing to say, and like we know, like for me, the first thing that came into my head because it's quite interesting actually because like it came up in the group chat with a couple with some mates, and a couple of my mates were like, "What's the big deal?" Um, which I thought was really interesting because it obviously means something different to different people, if you know what I mean. Like my mm-hmm. experience of that word is quite sad, really, in the sense that like when I grew up, um, when I was quite young, we lived in an area where it's predominantly white. So, like for example, me and my brother and one other kid were the only Asians in the entire primary school. So that was up until the age I was like eight or nine. And I remember getting called that word quite a lot at that age because of the area i lived in whatever because of the time mm. that you know talking about like the uh, you know the, the late 80s which sounds like such a long time ago now the late 80s early 90s so like for me it brings back quite sad memories and i remember mm. like some of my uncle like probably maybe the same for you i don't know if it's the same for you yeah, but when you exactly think about our, same, dad, yeah. our dad's generations you know our uncle's generations they obviously came to this country um and that's the kind of shit that they had to deal with you know that's the kind of abuse that they got they got called with that, that, that word amongst other things and it was given it was it was said to them in a way that was you know they you know in a, in a in a horrible nasty racist way and there's no no that that is the only way to put it so um so yeah for me it's like it's it's really sad that he he's gonna said that um i don't think i don't think you know the criticism that he's getting he's obviously getting a certain level of criticism but i don't think there's anyone really standing up like anyone prominent if you know what i mean that's really standing up and saying hang on a second ksi you know you shouldn't be doing that it's it's you know if you go on twitter and you just search ksi for example there are people you know reposting that video and saying this is out of order you shouldn't you know how you know mm. this is ridiculous you know you shouldn't be saying it whatever but you know even his apology for example is not like he said something like um you know i'm not i'm not god don't put me up on a pedestal but that's not it's nothing to do with that it's just yeah. common decency yeah. right like what like you don't have to be you don't have to be god or you don't have to be any you don't even have to be in the public eye to 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 at least if you didn't know that it was the wrong thing to say at least just own it and say you know what like i said it i shouldn't have said it i didn't understand that the, the connotation i think he did to be honest but you know yeah. and 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 just you know kind of own it at least so it's that's even more disappointing but yeah it's just it's just really sad man like yeah, I don't really know what else to what else to, to say. Well, I think you've just I think you've really eloquently described what probably a lot of people have felt. It's really complicated, but it's really it bring you know, it's a word that really hurts a lot of people. I mean yeah. it it, it I, I think it hurts when it's used when he when he's the way that he said it, it was like he had thought you know, he thought about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is an offensive word. I don't really want to like offend anyone really. But, you know, it's almost like he took a calculated decision on how offensive the word is. Right. Mm. And almost thought, because at the end of the day, if it was the N word, which is used <clears throat> against black people, he would never have said that. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. Right. Because because of the 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 level of offense at which that word is deemed 
and rightfully so, right? Mm. It's an incredibly offensive word. You would never dream of using it in a joking scenario. You never dream of doing that, right? And so I think what feels painful about this to a lot of you know South Asian people is he's basically calculated. He's gone, yeah, yeah, I get he's offensive, but uh, yeah, well, I don't mean to cause offense. Here it is, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you know everyone's reaction and the fact <coughs> that it was a recorded thing. It wasn't even live, but they still put it out. You know, like do you know what I mean? Things, things like that. Where um, it was uh, yeah. It was, I think you put it really, really like perfectly in that and it's quite interesting i think this fallout because i'm not really sure what you know i would i've thought about this in the sense that what do i actually want out of this fallout right like in terms of i i don't i don't you know i don't necessarily think i don't actually think that he's a racist because he said uh, this yeah, yeah, of course, no, yeah. no 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 like i don't think that I think I think he just comes across as an idiot, and I'm like mm. a, a bit like, okay, this is one of those things where you give you know stupid people fame and power, and they get hubris and they make you know silly decisions. You know, he's, it's not his fault for being an idiot, and he's fantastically successful because of you know um, a number of things, uh, you know, hard work and uh, opportunities and you know luck and everything, you know, whatever. So whatever, like I, you know, I don't I don't think that he's a bad guy. Um, yeah. And uh, so I don't know what I want out of this as a as a South Asian who who's sort of taken offence to that, because I do feel that the the really sad thing, the dangerous thing, is what you sort of said. Where I think that if you're a young person, if you're one of his like you know millions of people who watch him, you probably look at that and you probably a lot of these people are probably rising to his defence because they really like just like him and don't want to see him getting kind of you know bashed around. So they're doing it purely because of an affiliation to him but secondly it's that thing of someone that you really respect has chosen to to say something like that and knowing that it's probably offensive but you know again making that sort of judgment call and you know you know for us we've got kids you know like you're saying yours are, are you know a bit older than mine and it's a you know you worry that there's some some kid in the playground is going to think yeah that is an offensive word but it's not that offensive is it like you yeah. know what i mean like ksi used it so you know whatever like it's and yeah. what so it is, it is it's a bit sad. Like, there's a lot of people who are calling for him to be cancelled. I don't even know exactly, you know, what that would look like. There's a lot of people on Twitter who are asking for Arsenal to cut ties with Prime because of, you know, just the the, the brand of Arsenal, etc. That's an interesting one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that is a very interesting one. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but you know, it's a uh, it, it's it's just it's it's a, it's a sad thing for you know to, to happen within our the, fan base. The, I suppose the weird thing was the reaction of everyone else on on the ep, on like it was the, yeah. the other side, man. And you got so um, I think Chunks and Philly. I don't know if you know who they are like two other YouTubers, like mm. whatever, uh, massive, massive as well. And they all like the reaction was it's really weird reaction. Like there should have been a little bit more like what the hell did he just say? And yeah, to be honest, they could have just cut the whole thing out. Um, but the reaction was they all just joked around and laughed along with it. So that that was a bit weird as well. And that was like even more distasteful, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, and no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he deserves the one. I don't know what he deserves necessarily. Like you say, I don't know what what is the right outcome. But I think more, I think really, like, you know, for us, it's probably just more like education, isn't it? It's like understand why it's not the right thing to say understand why you shouldn't even be thinking about using that word and and understand why people do take offense to that word and what people who've had to hear it you know people the people that have heard that 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 um that slur you know uh heard it in the past 
you know, what it means to them and, and why it's painful and why it's like, just understand that. And then, you know, that should, that, I think that's enough. Like that's all, that's all we want really, isn't it? Like, you know, just fucking just like, don't use these. Don't just, just be nice <laughs> to people. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to say these things. It just comes so unnecessary and just, yeah. It is. Unne- I think it's unnecessary, isn't it? And there's a big narrative again, where, you know, there's a lot of South Asian people, particularly in the UK who feel that discrimination towards South Asian people is, is, is underplayed. I don't necessarily know how I feel about that statement, but I think that there's a lot of people who feel that way and feel that this is just another example of that, that ultimately, you know, using that word is, it's offensive, but it's not that bad. And, you yeah. know, it's that, it's that whole, it's that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and partly it's because I think, you know, for some positive reasons, it feels like South Asians in the, in the British community overall tend to, actually do quite well they're quite a successful kind of demographic overall like you go across you know industries whether it's medicine whether it's the city whether whatever industry it is you see kind of south asians who have kind of you know doing quite well and and i think partly that's why sometimes discrimination against south asians doesn't you know it's perceived to not get taken as seriously because um it feels that they're they're not necessarily a um a demographic that on the face of it you feel like have been oppressed or whatever um so i think there's lots of lots of complicated reasons why um you know this is a kind of an emotive topic but um but anyway you know it's um it's just it's just a bit of unnecessary drama at a time where there's only positive things to say about arsenal football club right now yeah and um and maybe we should end it there it's been about one and a half hours it's uh and uh so if anyone's joined if anyone's <laughs> been listening to this episode live or recorded for one and a half hours love you for it i mean thank you so much guys mys um it's been an absolute pleasure as always and you, uh massive game coming up this weekend mate ah oh, can't wait can't <laughs> wait feels like it's a long way away but yeah Let, let's see let's see what they do against chelsea tomorrow and then um exactly. and then go from there but nice countdown to uh sunday looking forward to it exactly all right mate good night take care of yourself thank you everyone for joining Cheers, mate. See ya.